Hello and welcome back to Simply Syria. Lots to discuss. It's our first show of the season. I'm joined by my usual panel of Tommy Milanese and Vittorio Campanile. Stay tuned, subscribe, like, share. You know the drill by now. Hello, good evening and welcome back to Simply Serie A, the Italian football podcast uh, brought to you by Sofa Sports Media. Uh, as ever, I'm joined by my two fantastic panellists, starting with Vittorio Campanile, uh, fresh off a derby della Capitale. Vittorio, welcome back to the show, mate. How was your summer? Uh, it was great. Thanks, Harry. I hope you had a great summer too. And yeah, we're going to talk about the derby. Not very happy, but we're going <laughs> to talk about it. We still have to talk about it. And also joining me is the brilliant Tommy Milanese of 90 Min. Tom, thank you so much for joining us because I know you're on holiday. You're back in Italy at the moment. But such is his commitment to the podcast. He's still with us. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, man. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm back in Italy in my in the room where I was born and, and I grew up. Uh, but yeah, I, could, I couldn't miss the first episode, you know. I had to be there. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much for joining us. And, and thank you to Vittorio, of course. Uh, thank you to you both for agreeing to continue with this project. We started this podcast, uh, I think it was midway through last season. Um, we've done about 10 or 12 episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Pilot, of course. And everything went brilliantly well. You guys are enjoying it. We're loving interacting with you. Uh, so we're picking it up again for this new season. Now, we're going to start off uh, with the thriller in Turin. It was Juventus 4 Napoli 3, of course, Maurizio Sarri still under the weather. He wasn't allowed uh, on the touchline, but um, that didn't stop his Juventus side getting off to a brilliant start, did it, Vittorio? It was a very curious match, Harry, because, you know, 3-0 up Juventus, uh, you thought it was over, you know, match finish. And then suddenly uh, Napoli score, and after 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it was 3-0. It was simply unbelievable. We have to say that in the first half, you were played very, very well, while Napoli struggled a lot. And uh, I was a little bit surprised because you would expect that Juventus were struggling because it's a completely new team, right? There is a new manager, Sarri, that it's completely different football compared to uh, the, the Allegri type of football. And um, instead, you went, played very, very well. I thought at the set, they thought it was finished pretty much at the third goal, and this gave Napoli a chance. And Napoli was really good to to get back on track and score three goals in like 15 minutes. It's unbelievable against Juventus. I mean, against uh, a, a Max Allegri team, it would never happen. And with Maurizio Sarri instead, it happened. And I thought it was over. And then at the very last second, the own goal over Koulibaly, that was unexpected. And yeah, great match, great performance. And it's, it's very bizarre because Serie A this year, they're scoring a lot of goals. It's like a little bit... Premier League football now, and this is quite surprising. I think, and I don't know if Tommy agree with me. I think it's because it's very early in the season, and there are a lot of big match in August, which is quite surprising, very unusual for the Italian football. And then this maybe it's the reason why we are seeing so many goals. What do you think, Tommy? I mean, from a Napoli perspective, having done all the hard work to get back into the game, to lose it the way they did must have been a real sickener. Have we lost Tommy? 
It looks like we've lost Tommy's audio. Vittoria, I'll come back to you then uh, until we can get Tommy uh, back on the the uh, line. Problem with live streams, unfortunately, but it is just one of those things. Vittorio, Napoli must have felt absolutely awful. I mean, to lose it the way they did, uh, Koulibaly, normally so reliable, but there were signs, weren't there, that he perhaps wasn't at his best. He was turned by Higuain uh, brilliantly, I thought, for, for his goal as well. Uh, are we seeing signs that maybe Koulibaly is still a little bit rusty? Well, the goal of Higuain was unbelievable, was fantastic. But we have to admit that everybody, some will say, hey, Napoli has an amazing defence, probably the best in Italy, because they bought even Manolas. So you, you think you put Koulibaly near Manolas, they have the best defence. Let's not forget they have uh, Meret on goal, who is one of the best Italian goalkeeper. And instead, in, uh, in two matches... Uh, Napoli allowed already many goals, right? Four goals before, uh, three against Fiorentina, uh, four now. So, uh, you know, something is not working. I think the problem is the mentally expert. Manolas is a very good defender, but tends to, you know, sometimes don't think what he's doing during the match. He forgot his men and things like that, makes silly mistakes. And Koulibaly did the same thing uh, uh, last Sunday, last Saturday, sorry. So, yeah, I don't think he's going down. I think he's still one of the best defenders. But Napoli have to be a little bit more careful and, and didn't do in these matches. And it's unfortunately because at that point, I really felt that Napoli could win it because you could feel that Juventus were really, really tired. The league had a problem and you can see that he wasn't running very well. Bonucci is not at the level we saw him a couple of years ago. So at that point, I thought Napoli was the favourite to win the match. So I was a little bit surprised to see uh, Napoli losing like that. Uh, Tommy, everybody was talking about De Ligt. What a great signing he was for Juventus. He hasn't really started his Juventus career the way he would have liked, though, has he? Definitely not. Um, first of all, apologize for, for going off. Uh, Wi-Fi here in Italy is not as good as uh, in UK. Uh, but anyway, about the lead, yeah, he, I think he had an awful performance. And uh, I thought that even before the mistake he did, uh, that the lead for the uh, third third goal of Napoli. Um, it's a bit of a shame for him, but he did. He, it really looks like he's, uh, he's, he's taking his time to kind of adapt to the uh, new country, new league, new football. And he said that a few times already. And if you see a, dif- a, a, a player saying it like a couple times in different interviews that it's difficult for him that it's taking time for him you really you really see the struggle and i mean you know it's, it's very easy to say that a player is incredible uh, after one good season i'm not saying he's not he definitely has a lot of talent but he also needs a lot of a few years to improve and he does need to uh, train with very good players uh, very good defenders um to, to to improve and kind of reach juventus levels uh that could have happened with Chiellini. unfortunately he got injured i mean luckily because now he gets to play but unfortunately because i'm sure the training with him would have helped him a lot while bonucci um i'm not a big fan of bonucci I think he's a great, he's a good second defender. Like he's he's good with Chiellini, but if he is, needs to be the leader and the lead needs to be kind of the second defender, kind of learning from him, then they could be troubles for Juventus. And that's why um, yesterday, in the last last day of the transfer market, they were desperately looking for a, for a defender. They they talked about Umtiti, uh, Boateng, and a few others, uh, even Benatia. Like come back of Benatia, uh, but they didn't get to uh, buy anyone. So that would be very interesting. They even talked about well, there were rumours anyway about Shkodran Mustafi of Arsenal. Yeah, he would have, <laughs> he would have that been tells you how <laughs> Harry, one thing very important is Italian football Serie A is not the best league in the world, 
but on the defensive side is very very difficult to learn it if you come from abroad you know italian defenders have to be very careful in movement tactics and things like that and you can see all the time from defenders coming from abroad i think about de Vrij coming to lazio the first four months for de Vrij were very difficult you're going to see Godin doing the same thing with Inter. You see the, the league doing the same thing with Juventus. If you come from abroad, it's completely different football. In Italy, you have to be very careful your position, your movement, especially if you're a defender. So you're going to see the league struggle as all the other great defenders that came to Italian football because it's completely different. If you add to this that, you know, in Netherlands, football, uh, defensive football is not uh, as complicated as the Italian one you can understand why, especially a youngster like De Ligt, will, will struggle a lot to, to play at his level. And he has to be very careful because he has to be calm and relaxed and don't you know get frustrated because he's playing poorly because otherwise it's going to be a nightmare for him, his, his trip in Italy. Yeah, he's got to keep calm, keep doing what he's done so well over the last couple of seasons or so. And I'm sure that he'll come good eventually. There's no doubt that there is, of course, uh, potential there. But Tommy, this kind of game is the kind of game that I really enjoy. Not because I like to see such poor defense. I like to see great attacking football. I I don't like seeing poor defensive play and things like that. But it does kind of go a long way in stopping those boring old rumours that go around in England where people go, Serie A's boring. It's absolutely not boring. That was an absolute thriller between two sides that many think will contest uh, the Scudetto. I know it's very early days, but do you think that Napoli will be right up there come the end of the season? Well, uh, for for this season, it will definitely be harder for Napoli to be up there because uh, I think the, the level of the whole Serie A is, is higher than it used to be. And I think every year is getting higher and higher. For example, this year, of course, Inter is uh, one of the contestants for the for the Scudetto. Uh, with Conte, they can definitely uh, battle for it. Uh, while for a few years it was only Juventus and Napoli, and they they knew they they knew they they wouldn't they wouldn't they were not going to win it, so they knew they had a second spot already booked for them. Uh, this year is not as easy uh, because again Inter is is very good, but even even the teams below them like Lazio and Atalanta and um, maybe not so much Roma, but uh, there's a lot the, the level is higher. So for Napoli, I think they're going to struggle a lot. Uh, but at the same time, they go they go better with the transfer market. Like Vittorio was saying, Manolas is a is a great defender then as soon as you will uh kind of get used to get used to playing with napoli and Koulibaly, i'm sure they will do amazing uh forward they call lozano which is an incredible jolly like he can play as a as a forward of course his his role is a left winger but he can play as a forward as well he can come in like like he did with juve and, and score a goal when they need it and they have definitely midfield um with with the formation that he's playing so i think napoli is, is improved from last year but at the same time it's gonna it's gonna struggle a bit more to to kind of stay up there and uh i don't, I don't see them really winning the scudetto I think if they do, it would be a shocker, at least to me. Um, but definitely, uh, and that game was incredible. And the thing that they're scoring so many goals now, like again, it really shows that the level of Serie A has got higher. And if that game taught us something, is that Juventus is not as unbeatable as it was in the past seven years. And so that that would definitely make the the league very interesting and could be it could be the first year in the first time in a long time that the Juve doesn't win it. And that will definitely help internationally for people to get interested in Serie A. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to another game, another big game uh, so early on in the season, the Derby della Capitale. Vittorio is a Lazio man. Um, Vittorio, 
I've seen the highlights back since we last spoke. I didn't get to watch that game live. I have watched it back now. Um, my word, Lazio were unlucky not to win it, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Um, Lazio played really, really well. Hit the post four times. I thought it was uh, a record in Serie A. I think Inter once hit five times the post in a match. So it wasn't uh, the, the, the record of Serie A. But yes, Lazio had so many chances. I think in the end was 13-4 to four for Lazio. So, you know, you, you, you should expect Lazio to win it. But um, you have to be careful when you're playing against Roma. Uh, Roma didn't play that well, but they got a penalty. Uh, Silly mistake of Milinko Savic. We know the handball rules have changed, so you have to be really, really careful. And he wasn't, so Roma got the lead. Uh, then Zaniolo got a couple of good chances. He hit the post twice. But after that, in the second half, I thought Lazio dominated the match and should have won it. Um, you know, the, you can see it in two ways. One is the positive one for Lazio and saying Lazio is playing really great football. They beat Sampdoria. They, they, they played really well against Roma. So, you know, you, sh you should think Lazio is playing great football. They, they are the favourite for the Champions League spot, etc. But you could see it also in the negative way and say, if you're playing that well, uh, that well, that great football, and you don't win it, then this is a problem because you cannot expect to play all season long like that. And what's going to happen when you're going to play poorly? You're going to lose badly and you need to be consistent if you want to go to the Champions League. And this is my, my, you know, Lazio has to start winning match when they play like, that well. And uh, this is a problem. Um, it's good that they didn't sell the top players. You know, Milinko Savic has been linked to pretty much all uh, European club. Uh, Luis Alberto was linked with Sevilla. So I think the quality of Lazio is still there. And probably, uh, I think the midfield of Lazio is probably one of the best after Inter and Juventus. So... They have a big team. Now they have to show it and win top, the biggest matches like the Derby. Tommy, do you think that Roma could struggle this season? They've had a bit of a strange summer, haven't they? Um, of course, Manolas has gone to Napoli. They've managed to bring in Mkhitaryan from Arsenal, a player that wasn't exactly flavour of the month at the Emirates. So it'll be interesting to see how he does uh, over in Rome. You know, Patrick Schick's gone out. They brought in... Uh, uh, they brought in another forward, didn't they? God, it's... Kalinic, yeah. Kalinic, that's it. Uh, a player who spent some time in the Premier League in the past and was a complete flop. Um, but it, it seems a little bit strange at Roma. I'm not overly hopeful that they'll do anything special this season. What are your, your feelings on... I know it's really difficult to say just two games into the season, but in terms of their transfer window and the outlook, how are you feeling about Roma at the minute? Yeah, I agree with you. I don't really see Roma battling for the Champions League spot. I mean, I know it's very early, so things can literally change within a couple of months. But as things are now, there's a lot more teams that look more, much more, much more fit physically and mentally. And um, and Roma's played two games. The first one with Genoa. I mean, Genoa is, is, is I think, is a very good team this year. They're, they're going to do well. But at the same time, Roma is playing at home, and they were supposed to win that. But not only they draw, but they also concede three goals, and that shows that they didn't really fix uh, their problems in defense. I mean, last year they were blaming it uh, on uh, all. The, the goalkeeper, they, which this year they just gave to Cagliari. Um, they they bought a new a new goalkeeper, Paul Lopez. I'm not I'm not entirely sure about him as well, but I mean he will have to show us. Uh, they sold Manolas. The, it, 
they and, and the transfer market, I don't really see it very strongly. Even the fact about Mkhitaryan, like you said, Mkhitaryan is not exactly, uh, you know, the, the best player, like a, a player that makes the fans excited. And, and since they let El Sharawi go, I, I thought El Sharawi was one of the best players, if not the best player last season, together with Zaniolo and maybe Kolarov uh, and Jacko, of course. So they let him go quite easily. I don't know if it was a choice of the player of with just Roma wanted to cash in and they just replaced him now with um, Mkhitaryan and, and Nikola Kalinic is, is a player that has done very badly in Milan he's done po- very poorly in Atletico Madrid basically hasn't played so he hasn't really played constantly for a team in a long time and he's definitely not the, the kind of player that um, that would save Roma so I don't really rate the transfer market I don't think they got much stronger apart from Seca as well could be a surprise but it's not he hasn't really proved himself that much and I think he's going to struggle as well in his first season in Italy and that kind of links what, to what we thought you said before that Italy is very, it's very there's a lot of tactics tactics is, is such an important uh, uh, thing in Italy so um, I think Paolo Fonseca is going to struggle in his first season uh, I don't think they're going to they can aim more than a rock league spot um, but again it's very early in the season and they can change they could bring new players in January or new manager or maybe Fonseca will just become a you know, tactic magician in the future but this is what I'm seeing for now you know what about Roma transfer market and I don't know if you agree with me it looks like they are buying just to buy okay we, we saw yeah. Schick that was terrible we're going to buy Kalinic but Kalinic as Tommy was saying had three but season why do you get Kalinic do I need a striker okay let's go and get someone better you know uh, Petania someone else uh, Mikitarian. why did you buy Mikitarian? Mikitarian will play in the position of Zaniolo, probably, right? But Zaniolo is your best player. So you're going to move Zaniolo to a side, left or right, or Mikitarian to a side. Then where that, does Ander and Kleiber goes? Uh, you needed a central defender, a very good central defender, to replace Manolas. You got Smalling. Are you convinced that he's the right man? I don't think so. Um, Mancini from Atalanta, he's young, but he hasn't proved nothing. I, I don't know. It, it looks like Roma was buying players just, hey, guys, we have to buy this couple of players. While, for example, Inter bought the players they need, you know. Uh, they bought Sensi, that is a very interesting player. They said, we don't need Icardi, we want a striker. Conte said, you know, I, I, I loved Lukaku, and they got Lukaku. Uh, you have to have a project uh, in the summer transfer, and I don't think Roma had it. I don't know if it's only my impression, but yeah. Yeah, but... Th- I'm wondering if this is down to Paul Fonseca then? Is it, is it him that doesn't really have a clear plan? Or is it, or is it the club that don't really, didn't really listen to him and just go whether they thought it was going to be a good idea or a good value for money? Well, we don't know yeah. that, of course. <laughs> and we know that uh, Monchi left a terrible situation money-wise. So that's why they had to uh, take on loan Mkhitaryan, Smalling, etc. But probably yeah. they could have done... You know, Rugani, you went... To, Juventus wanted to get rid of Rugani. Now, I don't think Rugani is a top defender, but probably it would have been better for instead of taking Smalling, who has to come to Italy, get used to Italian football, as we said about the league. And and he's not ready probably for the first couple of months. So why don't you go to Juventus and take on loan Rugani? Why don't you take Mandzukic instead of uh, uh, Kalinic? Yeah. You know? yeah, good point. Great point. I wish uh, Mandzukic could have come to Lazio, but the salary is far too high for Lotito. But, you know, Mandzukic would have been a great player for Roma. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it was almost it was quite close to Genoa as well on the last day. So if Juve was it's you know, if Juve was happy to go to San Manchester to Genoa, he would have definitely be happy to go to Romans. So yeah, that's a good point. Definitely some great points there, guys. Right, let's quickly round up the, the rest of the results in Serie A. We've got a couple more bits and pieces uh, to talk about, so we'll get to those uh, in just a moment. But let's have a look at the week two results. Atalanta, of course, in the Champions League this season, two, Torino, three, Bologna, one, Spau, nil, Cagliari, one, into two. We'll come on to talk about that game in a minute. Genoa, two, Fiorentina, one, uh, Juve, four, Napoli, three, Lazio, one, Roma, one, as we've already discussed. New boys, Lecce, nil, Verona, one, Milan, one, uh, Brescia, nil, Chalanoglu with a goal there. Sassuolo, four, Sampdoria, one, Tommy won't want to hear that. And uh, Udinese, one, Parma, three, Jovino at his brilliant best again. Um, a lot of results there that we can touch on, but I want to start by talking about the intergame. Um, they went away to Cagliari, got the points, but the game has once again been overshadowed uh, by what appeared or sounded like racist chants in the crowd. Now, Tommy, this is something that keeps on happening in Syria. And, you know, the, the world is watching People are condemning the behaviour of these fans. It keeps on happening. But what I'm most surprised about with this whole situation, you know, I think everybody uh, understands that this is completely wrong and completely out of order. But the the biggest shock to me has come from a letter that the, uh, is it the Corva Nord? Have you seen it? Have put out uh, to Romelu Lukaku. I'm just going to read you some points from it. Um They say, yeah, the Corva Nord. They say, hi, Romelu. We are writing to you on behalf of Corva Nord. Yes, the guys who welcomed you at your arrival in Milan. We are really sorry you thought that what happened in Cagliari was racist. You have to understand that Italy is not like many other North European countries where racism is a real problem. What on earth are they talking about? If that's not racism, what is it? Um, I think I think it was definitely racism. Uh, if you see on TV, maybe it doesn't doesn't really look sound like it because there's a lot of people that just kind of booing. Which I mean, it's something you can do to any player. That's not racism. But there, there's a video that is been going on on the internet, like a fan made video inside the the the, the, the bit where yeah. the fans are. And you can clearly hear like a sort of a, a monkey gorilla sound. Uh, so that's that's definitely racism. And um, I mean. I think it's obvious to say that it's ridiculous. And what what is what sh- shook me that it's not the first time that happens, but especially it's not the first time that happens at Cagliari. I think almost every year something happened. There was Matuidi last year. Then there was uh, what well, don't remember now, but it happened three four times in the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it happened a few a few more times. So um, there's not. It's it's you know. It's it, I think it's a problem that it's impossible to solve a hundred percent. I think ninety nine percent of the people are fine with it. Not. Be, I don't want people to think that people are racist in Italy because they're not. But there will always oh, yeah. be a couple of people. Only all all all, all it takes is three people, four people that are very loud. They just they, you know they they yeah. they make themselves here and then maybe someone else will follow. You know maybe some some someone thinks it's funny. Someone thinks they'll never get caught. And now. The whole, the whole, you know, Cagliari fans are seeing badly probably. Now, next time there's going to be a, a game of Cagliari is going to be, uh, you know, an, an African player or whatever, then, you know, people are going to start thinking, ooh, is, is anything going to happen now? 
Um, so what to do about it? I think there's no real solution. What you can do is kind of to teach to the, to the younger fans, the kids, uh, that, that that is not right. Uh, you know that the, the players are, are humans. They you know they get offended, of course. It's, it's horrible what they're doing to him. That's abuse, and uh, and, they, and they shouldn't do it. And that's not right. And hopefully the new generation will kind of you know bring a new a new fresh air in, into the into the stadiums in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. And the, and this Vittorio, before you come in, this is not a problem exclusive to Italy. This is a problem everywhere. It's happened in the UK as well. It ha happened on various occasions last season. We heard just a few days ago that Kurt Zuma of Chelsea was getting racial abuse via social media. So this is not a problem just in Italy, but we're talking about it because we're covering Italian football. And so it needs to be discussed. Vittorio, your, your yeah, take the, on this. The problem is, it's not acceptable that in 2019, you cannot find who these guys are because you have camera everywhere. It's not possible. This is the biggest problem because they do it because they know that no one will find it and no one will do nothing because they're not able to catch them. And so they're going to repeat it. And as Tommy said, it's not all the curva. It's four or five people close to the, to the stand shouting this. It's not acceptable that the police in Italy is not able to find them, grab them, and, you know, prohibit them, them to get to the stadium forever. And if you start doing like this, then you'll see that people will stop because, hey, they got them. So they're not going to the match anymore. So maybe I'm, I'm not going to chant anymore. I'm going to be quiet and not do these stupid things. This is the problem. In Italy, people does it because they say they're never going to catch me. So, yeah, I'm going to take the risk and, you know, probably I'm, I'm going to be fine. This is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. They need to be able to identify these people and, and you know, pull them out of the stadiums. It's, it's not on. Talking about the football side, though, let's talk about Inter for a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, we've spoken in the past about the fact that, you know, in, in our WhatsApp group that we feel that maybe Inter can push Juve this season. Antonio Conte's gone in there, a manager that is very highly rated. Romelu Lukaku's come in. I think he will score goals in Italy. Um Tommy, what do you make of the Alexis Sanchez signing? Because as an Arsenal fan, like I am, I saw the very, very best of Alexis Sanchez. And despite the bad time he had at Manchester United, I firmly believe that there is still a very good player there. And he can, uh, you know, really take things on and uh, get back to his very best. And of course, Inter have got rid of uh, a problem player in Mauro Icardi, a great player but he was certainly an issue last season. We were discussing him and that situation on pretty much every show that we did. So, I mean, Tommy, you, you take first on Alexis Sanchez and then uh, Inter should be pleased that Mauro's gone, shouldn't they? Well, about Alexis Sanchez, I personally love the player. I think he's incredible. And a lot of, a lot of people you know, say that you're as good as your last game. So a lot of people have a, a horrible thought of Alexis Sanchez, like a, you know, awful player, awful first start, whatever they say. But that's, that, that's wrong because if you think, if you look back in his career, Udinese was unbelievable. Barcelona, it was amazing. And Arsenal was probably his top. And then all he did is fill one year and a half at Man United. But I mean, I like to say there was a Man United that we all know they had problems, a lot of problems. There's not him definitely. Uh, so he just found himself in the wrong in the wrong situation with uh, with a manager like Mourinho. That um, well, you know, he, he's a great manager. I love him. But sometimes with the wingers, he kind of plays them a bit out of position. Maybe something, you know, whatever it was. 
it happens to a player. It can happen to any player, even even to the strongest. Uh, if you're in the in the wrong situation, uh, you know, there's things around you that you don't like, you can fail, and that's what happened to him. Um, and my United again has a lot of problems that he couldn't solve on his, on his own. So he only only failed in his careers one year and a half, one season and a half. I think so. It's, I think it's very unfair. Um, you know, a lot of hate he gets on on Twitter and all the other social media platform. I think he's still a great player, and I think Conte is the is the perfect uh, man to kind of unlock him again and kind of bring him back to his potential. Again, when it was uh, in Italy the last time in Udinese, it was absolutely incredible. I remember that time he scored four goals away at Palermo uh, with Di Natale. With, amazing um, and again back then he, he used to um, Udinese used to play a bit like Inter does now so with two strikers up front Di Natale and, uh, and Alexis again so I think he will find it quite quite nicely to play there and I think he, he will he will do good uh, the, the question is though is how, how much is he going to play because of course Lukaku you know, you can't take him off. He's the main main guy, main guy of this U Inter. But the other guy is Lautaro Martinez, and he played very well last season. He played a good, a, a, a decent Copa America, and he's in great form. He scored last game as well, and I think I think he's a great player that he should deserve a lot of chances. But there's only sp- uh, space for two then. And I mean, I know that Inter has the Champions League and the Coppa Italia, so there will definitely be chances for, for everyone. But when it comes to big games, like the Derby or the game against Juve, who's going to start? I mean, of course, now it's Lautaro because Alexis you know, needs time to adjust. But when they're both fit, both, both at the same level, who they, who's going to start? I don't know that. And that would be very interesting. About Cardi, well, oh, go on, mate. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, it's very interesting, actually, that Lukaku and Sanchez have gone to the same club because... They yeah. are two players that felt that they were being victimised unfairly at Manchester United. They were both, you know, really supportive of each other. Um, I think them two and Pogba, you know, are always talking about how they've been scapegoated. Lukaku made the comments since he left that him and Sanchez were always picked on. So, you know, there is a relationship there as well, and that could turn into a very uh, interesting partnership. But go on, mate. Sorry, you're, you're Cardi. Yeah, and uh, last thing about that, that's exactly what they needed. They needed a fresh start in a club like Inter, who is having themselves a fresh start with Conte and all the changes they're making. So I, I think it's, it's great for them, great move. And I mean, such a good deal for Inter as well, since Man United is still, still going to pay, what, six, seven millions a year. Uh, and, and so definitely a great deal for Inter. Uh, about Cardi, yeah, very quickly, we all know what happened. We all know that it was a problem for uh, for, for Inter. And what it's, what it's great about Conte, I love Conte absolutely, uh, both on the pitch and off the pitch. And the first thing he said when he came is like, I want to get rid of this, this and that, Perisic, Nangolan and Icardi. And it, it's incredible how he managed to do all of it. And I mean, that really shows that the club and Marotta, which is the, uh, the director of Inter, uh, they're, they're really behind him and they're really supportive. So they, they bought who he wanted and they got rid of who he wanted. So they literally um, did everything he wanted. So now Conte really doesn't really have excuses to perform. The ball's in his court now, isn't it, Vittorio? What, your, your thoughts on the Sanchez and Icardi uh, sort of incoming and, and, and obviously well, Icardi leaving? The thing is, in football especially in these top leagues, it's not only the talent that allows you to win the championship or titles, etc. You need even a group of players. And, you know, we, we knew that Icardi wasn't a, a captain, wasn't someone who could bring the team together. Same thing with Nangolan. He's a terrific midfielder. Probably a couple of years ago was the best in Europe, but he didn't win nothing because 
he, he had problem. He's not a very professional player like Icardi, like Perisic, etc. So last year, Inter tried with the talent of these players and failed. Conte, that has big experience, that is a great motivator, said, no, these players, we don't need it. We need maybe less quality, but uh, we need a team. And that's what's happening. So that's that's great. Um, Lukaku, I think it's the perfect fit for Inter. We have to see Sanchez, how, how he comes to Italy. Obviously, he has a chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove everybody wrong. We have to see how we, he will perform if he's still the Sanchez that we all remember. As Tommy was saying, at Udinese, he was unbelievable. I never saw a striker like that. You know, him and Di Natale was astonishing. Uh, is he still at that same level? I don't know. I'm not sure. The other thing is, uh, we see Juventus with Sarri. Uh, we see Giampaolo to Milan. Uh, Inzaghi to Lazio. Fonseca to Roma. They're all very offensive mind football uh, coach. Conte is not that type of football. Uh, so, you know, strikers with Conte will struggle a little bit because he thinks first thing is defense and then and then the rest. So uh, that's not great for attackers, for strikers, but so it's going to be important. I mean, against Cagliari, Inter didn't play that well, but they win. This is Antonio's Conte football. So uh, I think Juventus a little bit uh, a higher level than Juventus, but as we were talking before about Napoli, I think Inter it's right behind Juventus and Napoli's third at the moment for me. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I agree with that. I think that they will be uh, Juventus's closest competitors. I'm still going to need some convincing that Inter are ready to to win this Scudetto. But as it stands, uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think Inter are the best placed uh, to to mount a serious challenge. Of course, now. Milan got off to, uh, well, they finally registered a, uh, a win. Uh, I know it's only two games in, but they got their points and that will be massive for them um, in terms of confidence. Tommy, how do you think they're going to do under under Gianpaolo? It's, uh, Milan are a strange one because I think we all agreed last season that Gattuso was not necessarily the right man to take them forward. Uh, you know, he'd done okay. He came in and he'd done a, a bit of a, a, a job and, you know, steadied the ship a little bit, brought spirit, hard work. But is Gianpaolo the man to take them to the next level, in your opinion? Is he a level above uh, Gennaro Gattuso in terms of uh, tactics and as a manager? Uh, I don't know if he's a level above. It's definitely something very different. And uh, some one thing about Gianpaolo, he's not that manager like Conte that will come and change things suddenly. Gianpaolo is definitely a, long, a, a bit of a long-term uh, kind of situation because um, we said that in Italy there's a lot of tactics. Gianpaolo is beyond that. Like His tactics is ridiculous. Like All the players of uh, Sampdoria, because he, he was manager of Sampdoria for three years, they all said that with Gianpaolo, it was, they literally had to learn the movements by heart. They, they were moving like the back four. They were moving as one man. Uh, and even with us, it took it took a bit for for you know for the defenders to kind of understand that and stuff. Um, so I think it, uh, for Milan, it would take a while. If not a while, but it would take a bit. Uh, it's going to be an immediate change, uh, immediate solution. And also by his formation, he is um he is one two. Or, uh, sorry, four three one two. So kind of a CIM, so a trequartista. We say it, uh, uh, an attacking midfielder uh, behind the two strikers. Uh, so that was his uh, formation. But he said in, after first game when they lost to Dinese that. He, the, the players that he has that don't fit 
his formation, which I, I found quite quite weird because he had the whole summer to try them and to um, ask for new players. And he, I don't know, I don't know if he has, but definitely he, no one really came that fit his formation. So he tried it in the first game and it didn't didn't work. They lost a good against Udinese and they played poorly. Uh, in the second game, then he changed something instead of playing without one attacking midfielder and two strikers he did the opposite so two attacking midfielders and one striker because he said that Piontek uh, is, a, is a kind of striker that he needs to be uh, the only striker basically so in a, you know he was playing a 4-3-3 last year so that that kind of player um, now they bought Rebic the last the last day yesterday uh, I think Rebic is an interesting player because he can play both as a winger but also as a as an attacking midfielder so that would fit in the 4-3-2-1 uh, but again, there's a lot of tactics involved there. There's a lot of change for the players, which they were used to play with a 4-3-3 uh, for a few years. So there's a lot of change there. There's no great names that came in, only a, a couple a couple okay players here and there. So I think for Giampaolo to put his philosophy into the team, it would take a, a, while, a, a bit. It would take a bit. Uh, so I don't really see them challenging for, for Champions League spot this year. Uh, they might next year if Giampaolo is still there, if uh, the, the, the club and the fans are patient enough. I think he might he might be able to kind of create a new a new era in Milan, um, a new philosophy. But I don't know if, uh, if they're that patient up there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Vittorio, you were not Gattuso's biggest fan. Um, and you got into many debates on this show um, in regards to that. Your take on it, is Gianpaolo an upgrade in your view? And, and how do you see Milan uh, progressing under him? And I know it's so early and it's so hard to, to make uh, you know definitive predictions at this point in the season. But in terms of your general feeling, when you heard that Gianpaolo was going to be the man going in there, were you optimistic for Milan? Well, as Tommy said, I think in certain way it's an upgrade compared to Gattuso. The the thing that concerned me is like Italian press took this change. I mean, get, uh, Giampaolo for a moment was like Arrigo Sacchi, and I thought there are big difference. You know, Giampaolo did well, but as Tommy can confirm, Sampdoria didn't do that great. You know, last year Quagliarella was scoring even when he was dreaming or when he was at the beach. And still, uh, Sampdoria didn't reach the Champions League. So, you know, if you are not able to reach the Champions League or the Europe League with a striker that scores every match in every occasion, how can you, you know, how can you say that manager did a great job? I don't think so. And uh, the transfer market Milan did was very similar to the Roma one. It didn't have an idea behind. You you take Giampaolo, who, who loves a trequartista, and you don't buy a trequartista. There are a lot of holes there. Uh, and if Piontek stops scoring, then, you know, it can turn into a disaster. And I don't think Giampaolo is a messiah. He's a very good manager, but he's not a Rigosaki. At least he's not there yet. People will say, yeah, Sarri, when he came from Napoli, uh, he was coming from Empoli. But he did a miracle with Empoli, keep them in, in the Serie A and so on. So uh, I, I don't know. I'm not convinced by Giampaolo. Obviously, he's a better manager than than. Uh, uh, Gattuso, but I'm not sure Milan is at that level. The thing is, as Tommy was saying, Roma is not at that level. Uh, Milan is not at that level. Atalanta has the Champions League. Lazio, uh, I think, has weaknesses. Uh, who's favourite for the fourth spot at this moment? Because all the teams are not complete, are not uh, above the others, I think. So it's going to be an interesting fight for teams that are not perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, very interesting indeed. Tommy, uh, the last team I want to touch on this week uh, is your team, 
Sampdoria uh, sitting uh, in a very uh, worrying position, third from bottom at the moment, haven't picked up a point yet. What's the what's the general feeling uh, amongst Sampdoria supporters? I wanted to ask you as well, because I watched the highlights of their game. The stadium was completely empty, wasn't it? Is there a reason for that? or? Well, we were playing away. I thought you were talking about the last one, the last game. Oh, was it away? If, yeah, that, that, if it's the last game bad, we were yeah. playing away, we yeah. actually brought quite a few fans, so we did a, a bit of a thing. So we had, I think the, the fans are there. That's the only thing is is going well, actually. Um, the first game with Lazio, the, the stadium was, I mean, there was one bit of the stadium that was under construction, but beside that, it was fairly full. Um, so what's going on, Sandoria? Like, I, I'm sure both of you know, but I'm just going to say for those of the, the listener who doesn't know, we're going through a transition moment. Um, so the club is being sold basically is uh it's not going to be official though until october so our, our owner is uh ferrero sold the club to an american fund with Gianluca Vialli, uh which is going to be the president so the main man so the guy who's going to speak to the press and stuff like that um but it's not this uh, these contracts are not going to be deposited until at least end of september or october so what happened the previous owner didn't he sold the best players which is dennis pride uh, Anderson and we, we we got the frail go we could have got him back but we didn't so we sold our best players we didn't replace them with anyone we didn't buy anyone basically we only got a few youngsters here then and now and we got Di Francesco as a manager so uh, with the new formation and he's been saying the whole summer that he's going to play with the 4 3 3 but he doesn't have the man but he you know the uh, the club promised him that they will buy him the, the players to fit his formation but they didn't so Francesco is now in a situation where everyone at the club had, you know, they're all thinking about, you know, selling the club, yes or no. They We didn't buy any new players. We have new formation and the players don't fit because, I mean, we don't have a single winger. We bought Rigoni the last the last day, but, I mean, he was a, he's, a, he's an interesting character. So we don't have the players that fit our, our, our formation. Everyone's ha- had this turn into the, the selling the club. So it's a very tough situation. I'm, I'm going to tell you that we're probably going to fight uh, for the relegation spot. And I mean, I don't really see anyone um, that is, uh, I don't really see anyone that's much worse than us. Maybe Lecce, Verona, but that's it because Brescia, I think Brescia, they can do a better job with they, than us with Balotelli and uh, Donnarumma, Matri. And uh, so I, don't, I, I struggle to think someone is worse than us. And again, things might change. It's, it's still the beginning, but the defense is looking awful. Um, Di Francesco is playing all the minutes forward for some reason. Uh, because he, I mean, I know why. Because he wants to play his philosophy. His philosophy is good football on the wings, but he doesn't have the players to do that. So all the players now are forward, but they don't know what to do with the ball. And so we just concede a lot. Um, what we need right now, since is a is a is a moment of troubles. You know, when it's someone that kind of sits deep, like a, like a you know a new re, uh, when when the clubs come from Serie B, that's what they do. They kind of sit deep and they, they wait for the for the teams and they kind of playing counter-attack. We kind of need something like that because that's the reality of things. We're going to fight for relegation. There's no time to play beautiful football with players that we don't have. So this is the situation. So we're go- it's going to be a long season ahead. We're going to concede ridiculous amounts of goals. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough, but hopefully once the club is sold and with the new with the new American fund and Vialli, maybe in January or most likely next year, we're going to buy some fairly good players and, and everything can start again if we manage to stay up. Wow, that's that's a damning view uh, from Tommy there, Vittorio. Do you, do you think it's going to be true. that bad? Do you think Sampdoria will be fighting for their lives in this division this season? I, I'm I'm really surprised to hear that. 
Uh, well, uh, there's this chance. I agree with Tommy saying that Verona Lecce, I saw the match Sunday and it was terrible. So, yeah, they're, they're a very weak team. So, you're going to fight for the last spot available. But Di Francesco said something really important after the match lost against Asuolo. And he said all the distraction about the, selling the, the, the club has distracted not only the, 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 the club, but also the players. And he feels like the Definitely. players are, are very distracted in training, in, in the match, because, you know, they don't, they don't know what is going to happen next week, what's going to happen next month. And the problem is that Ferrero, that is the owner now, in the last three weeks or so, have been saying, no, I'm not going to sell the club. It's nothing. It's rubbish. The offer is too low. I want much more money. So instead of sending the message, yes, I'm selling the club, the, just you know, wait a couple of weeks, he, he's sending the opposite message. So the players are not only distracted, but confused. They say, what's going on? You know, everybody's selling, we're selling the club. And the owner said, no, it's not going to happen, etc. So this is a big problem. And you see it all the time when clubs get sold, uh, the, the performance of the club goes, get a dip, you know, they don't perform as they should. Um, the other thing, Quagliarella is getting older and, you know, he had a terrific year that's last season. You cannot expect to have it this year. And Di Francesco is a completely different style of football compared to Giampaolo. He sticks with a 4-3-3 and I don't think you, uh, Sampdoria has those players. Same thing, Quagliarella is not used to playing a three uh, attacking mind football. So, it's tough for Sampdoria. I still think they have quality players, but they have to solve this problem of selling the club. Is it going to be like that? Is it going to be sold? When? Or is, or is Ferrero keeping the team? Then he has to buy players to, to, to build a better team because like that, it's going to be a terrible season. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the club would definitely be sold. There was, a, a, as you know, there was an official statement by both parties that the, the, there's an interest and the new owners have been spotted in the stadium at the training facilities. Um, some some fans talked to them as well. Uh, it will definitely happen. It's 99%. I mean, nothing is for sure in life until it's official, but it's 99%. Uh, the question is when, because uh, again, this, 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 this whole thing started I think back in May, so it's, it's been a long summer for us. Um, and yeah, again, if we can if we can manage to stay up, then maybe next season we can start again and actually build a competitive team uh, like Atalanta, Torino, and all the others. If not, God knows what's going to happen. But yeah, let's even, stay positive. Even because Ferrero, we know, is struggling on the financial point of view. So you know, he he's looking for money, and he he used in a certain way Sampdoria to get money back. So that's why. Uh, he's interested in, in selling the club at the best price possible because he, if he gets more money, he's you know he needs it. So that's what he's looking for. Absolutely, absolutely right. Let's uh, round off by uh, having a quick look at the table as things stand at the moment. Of course, Inter sit top, Juventus uh, level on points with them. As are Torino uh, in third place. Lazio, of course, uh, Vittorio's boys in fourth. Uh, as we've mentioned, Sampdoria struggling early on, sitting at the bottom of the table. Roma and Fiorentina find themselves in 15th and 16th place. Uh, but I'm sure we're going to see this change over the course of the season. It is early days. And as we mentioned earlier, uh, as Vittorio mentioned, there have been some huge clashes already between some of the uh, league's big hitters. 
So we'll see how that develops. Uh, that brings us to the end of uh, this show. It's the first episode of the season. Uh, we weren't on last, e uh, last week due to uh, me being on holiday, mainly Vittoria was away as well. Uh, Tommy, the poor guy, has given up his holiday uh, to do this. Uh, so uh, a big thank you to Tommy and a big thank you to every single one of you who has tuned in as always you can find us on itunes spotify soundcloud and and most uh, podcast outlets we're actually on youtube this time as well for the first time we'll be bringing you video content as well uh, so hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy that and uh, don't forget to leave your comments uh, hit the like button if you're watching on youtube and subscribe to our new channel uh, we know it's a hard graft uh, building up a YouTube channel. We have got the podcast already, uh, but we're just adding another string to our bow. So please, please do uh, give us your support. Vittorio, do you want to let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media? Well, you can follow us on uh, follow me on Lazio Lounge, our podcast in English about Lazio and my YouTube channel, Vittorio Campanile, obviously. Brilliant stuff. And it is a great channel. And Vittorio's got it all going on with the green screens and everything. It's fantastic. Oh, that's brilliant. And, uh, <laughs> you have to see my intro. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We'll check it out. And Tommy, do you want to let our listeners know how they can uh, keep up with you as well? You can find me on my personal account on Twitter, uh, Tommy90min, and all my work at just 90min in all the social medias for all, all aspects of football, really. And you can brilliant. see Harry as well because he's it's, it's in our squad now. Yeah, yeah. you made that nice article about Quayarel as well. Yeah, I started writing a bit for 90 Min as well about Italian football. So Brilliant. there'll be a few more coming. Brilliant stuff. We look forward to reading those. And uh, I'm sure I'll see Tommy soon. Vittorio, we need to get you down to London for sure. We need to all go for a nice Italian meal, I think. Uh, I do love oh. an uh, Arabiata, I do. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get that arranged. <laughs> Until next time, guys, take care and we'll be back very, very soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.